You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Over the last decade, emergency department visits increased over 25%. Compare that with an almost 10% decline in emergency departments across the country, and it poses a significant concern. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. Bill Maloney, Chairman of the Department of Emergency Medicine at Condell Medical Center and a partner at Infinity Healthcare. Today we are discussing current issues in emergency care. Welcome, Dr. Maloney. Thanks for having me here today, Mark. What exactly is an emergency room physician? Well, that has changed over the years. The specialty of emergency medicine has been around now for about 30-some-odd years. It used to be that emergency departments were staffed by physicians, typically who were just starting up a practice, and so they would moonlight in the emergency department to gain a little extra income, but also to help build their practice. And it was recognized that some of the physicians didn't have the breadth of expertise that was needed to treat all of the conditions that were seen in the emergency department. So the American College of Emergency Physicians was created, and emergency medicine residencies uh, sprung up in the 1970s, and it's really been going gangbusters ever since. Could you summarize what the training of an emergency room physician is now? Well, now the standard is residency training in emergency medicine. There are residencies all over the country, typically three years in length, although there are some four-year programs as well. The beginning of the residency is typically spent learning what other physicians in medicine face, meaning that we spend some time doing internal medicine, some time doing surgery, pediatrics, OB-GYN, psychiatry, etc., And then as you go through the residency, you spend more and more time in the emergency department learning the presenting symptoms and signs and treatment of those conditions that our colleagues treat, but from the emergency department point of view. In emergency departments across the country, is this becoming the standard, or are there still emergency departments that are staffed by physicians who are not formally trained in emergency medicine? It is becoming the standard, especially in the metropolitan areas. Uh, We'll still see in rural areas hospitals that have uh, non-emergency physicians, but those are becoming more and more infrequent as time goes on. If a young physician who has spent, let's say, several years in surgical residency wishes to go into the emergency department and become a physician in the emergency department, is that uncommon in this day and age? Well, unfortunately, the college had a window of opportunity where physicians, as you're describing, could be grandfathered in. But that opportunity has now been closed uh, as of about 15 years ago. And so a physician would have to go back and do an emergency medicine residency if uh, he or she wanted to become an emergency physician, although they certainly would get credit for those years of surgical training. Uh, They may get one to one and a half years of credit toward the completion of their residency. How popular is emergency room medicine as a residency choice among young students? It's become more and more popular. Typically, the match fills. Some of that, I believe, is attributable to uh, the lure of the lifestyle. I I can tell you that as you get older, that lifestyle may not be all that it's cracked up to be. And some of the allure may be uh, media exposure and TV exposure with the, the show ER and some of the other medical shows that are on these days. Well, what is the lifestyle? What are the schedules that you keep as an emergency room physician? 
You know, the, the lay people think that we all work these 36-hour shifts, and that's uh, nothing farther from the truth. Typically, physicians work 8 to 12 hours in the emergency department. If you're at a slower-paced emergency department, you can probably do a 12-hour shift, but more and more, the, the shift lengths are approximately 8 hours. It really depends on your employment situation, whether you have a set schedule or a, a rotating schedule. The um, group that I'm with, we're quite democratic, and we divide up everything. So uh, even the most senior partners work their share of nights, weekends, and holidays. Now, in emergency room medicine, are you paid by the hospital or are you in private practice? What exactly are the business alternatives? Well, those are the two major models, either being employed by the hospital, where you're typically salaried and all your benefits are provided for you, or the other uh, model is being employed by a physician group, uh, which is what my situation is. I chose that model because I wanted to have some say over my income, and uh, it's not always been easy. We've had some lean years when malpractice rates were climbing exponentially a couple years ago. My W-2 actually went down a couple years in a row, but at least I feel like I have a say over our schedule, over what benefit packets we want, and I know where the expenses are, and uh, it's a more comfortable situation for me. What kind of physician goes into emergency room medicine? Well, you have to be willing to give up the benefits of having your own practice, and that being the ability to follow a patient or and his or her family with continuity of care. We uh, treat people with episodic care. We, we may see them just once, and, and that may be the end of it. Some people are attracted to that, and I like it because even though I may only be with a patient for a short period of time, I can gr- gain a great deal of satisfaction out of helping to diagnose and treat their problem, even if I may never see them again. Again, others are attracted to the lifestyle. When you're not working, theoretically, you should not be called in unless there is a major disaster in place. Now, clearly, emergency room medicine is fast-paced and high-tension. Is there a high degree of burnout among the physicians? You know, there is a fair amount of burnout. The schedule that we talked about before, I think, contributes to that. As I've gotten older, it's becoming harder to bounce back from night shifts and to sleep during the daytime. And uh, I sometimes wonder how long I can do it. And as we know, medicine and hospitals have become places where the acuity of uh, medical conditions that are presenting is higher. Uh, the demands on us from a customer service perspective are greater you know, and more than ever. Patients want to be seen uh, right away. Uh, they don't want to wait. And so all those things do contribute to burnout. Some physicians are going into uh, specialties such as occupational medicine or urgent care to, uh, to try to relieve some of those stressors. If you have just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and with me today is Dr. Bill Maloney, chairman of the Department of Emergency Medicine at Condell Medical Center. We are discussing current issues in emergency care. Dr. Maloney, we talked recently about burnout among the physicians. What about the nursing staff? It must be very high-paced and great amount of pressure for them as well. It really is. I think that emergency departments are attractive to nurses because of the excitement and the um, interesting cases that present. But after a time uh, spent down there, uh, there is a fair amount of burnout, again, because of the fast-paced environment, the high stressors of getting good patient satisfaction scores, the overcrowding that is affecting our departments. We have no way to shut off the influx of patients except for going on diversion or bypass. 
And uh, all those things can, can lead to a very stressful situation for our nursing staff. Could you define triage for us? You know, triage uh, comes from the French, I believe, uh, meaning to sort. Traditionally, it came from the battlefields where the soldiers were sorted based on their ability to survive. The, the black category were the ones that were dead or going to die no matter what happened to them. Uh, the next category were the ones that really needed immediate intervention if they were going to survive and the ones that really needed to focus your efforts on. And the last category were typically the walking wounded, those that could have a delay in their treatment but, but still survive. And so that same model is applied to emergency departments where we try to treat the uh, recognize and treat the life threats um, immediately and, and we're continually prioritizing because it changes minute by minute depending on what ambulances show up and what other patients walk in. Are the physicians involved in triage or is this a nursing function? It's traditionally a nursing function but with physician oversight. Uh, most of our departments now have some type of a tracking system where the physicians have an idea of who is coming in or who has just walked into the waiting room based on complaint or may have taken a call from a primary care physician. And so we're continually trying to give feedback to the charge or triage nurse, whoever is responsible for bringing the patients in. Many of us have heard of level one, level two, and level three emergency departments. What exactly does this mean? It actually varies by state, but in general, the most commonly accepted definition is that level one is the most prepared emergency department. It has all the capabilities to to treat any type of patient that, that rolls in. And when you talk about trauma centers, level one trauma center is the highest level of expertise, typically involved with treating any type of traumatic injury and associated with having a, a trauma surgeon in-house 24-7 diagnostic imaging in the form of CT scan, the ability to have uh, uh, radiological procedures done immediately, and uh, anesthesia in-house as well. And at level two and level three? Uh, level two emergency departments are, are still staffed with emergency physicians, but uh, when you speak of a level two trauma center, the trauma surgeon is not in-house. Uh, significantly injured victims will still come to that emergency department but uh, obviously, immediate intervention is not uh, available until the trauma surgeon gets there. But other than that, uh, most of the other capabilities are in place. Level 3 emergency departments typically are more standby emergency departments. They may not even accept ambulances. Some form of stabilization exists, but oftentimes those patients have to be either transferred to another facility or uh, a specialist would need to come in to uh, take care of them. Are all university hospital emergency departments level 1? No, there are many university um, uh, hospitals that are not level one trauma. For the most part, they're all level one in their ability to treat general emergency uh, care. But when it comes to trauma, that is quite specialized and uh, is not necessarily just at emergency centers or at university centers. Do all hospital emergency rooms have the ability to receive or send helicopter transport patients? Um, well, not every hospital has a, a helipad. Uh, sometimes it's uh, restricted based on the the local government, but certainly we feel that a helipad and helicopter capability is ideal because depending on what level of facility you're at, you may need to be transferring out patients that you cannot uh, fully capably uh, care for, or you may be a hospital that's more tertiary and uh, bringing them in by helicopter certainly is uh, um, expeditious uh, depending on the local ground traffic. Dr. Maloney, as director of the emergency department, what truly constitutes emergency care? 
Well, sometimes that's in the eye of the beholder. I can tell you every patient that comes in feels that they have an emergency. We all know that's not completely true, however. Um, we function in many regards as the safety net for many patients who don't have access to a primary care physician or who may not have decided to see their primary care physician for whatever reason. Maybe it was inconvenient for them. So not certainly not every patient that we see is an emergency. We try to treat them all like they're emergency, but again, we're always uh, triaging them to try to treat the true life threats first. I want to thank Dr. Bill Maloney, Chairman of the Department of Emergency Medicine at Condell Medical Center, who has been our guest. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, Professor of Surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.